Welcome to the Vox Community Podcast. Learn more about Vox Community at voxoc.com. Join us at 10 a.m. on Sundays at voxoc.com slash live and at the El Dorado Performing Arts Center. Ooh, perfect music fade out. <laughs> People come on stage. Where's your applause, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> we, don't mani- we don't manipulate anybody here at Vox. We don't manipulate at all. Not at all. Um, good morning, everybody. My name is Andy. This is Ronnie. Ronnie. Hey, how are you doing? Hey. Kyle, what's up, buddy? How are you? Hey, good to see you. Friends. Um, Oh, good morning. Um, if it's your first time here, um, I'm one of the pastors on staff. Uh, Ronnie is uh, one of our uh, teaching pastors here, and um, we're so glad uh, that you're here. Uh, you can learn all about us at voxoc.com, our wonderful website that I run um, to provide all of the information and magic you need to be informed. Um, I have a couple things uh, to announce this morning um, before uh, we. Ronnie and I are actually going to tackle a couple questions, and then uh, Carrie uh, is going to be teaching uh, today. Um, um, but yeah, uh, a couple things, Bob, I'll kind of walk you through them because they're, they're not necessarily totally clear. But uh, can you put up that slide with uh, Ronnie and Natalia? Yep, perfect. So um, so we did this uh, just uh, last Thursday night. Yeah. Uh, Ronnie, maybe uh, for those of you who don't have Facebook, I will make it available on the website. But if you have Facebook and you like our page, um, go check this out. But Ronnie, if you can maybe just share your experience yeah. of doing that. Uh, terrifying. Uh, my wife and I were so nervous to do uh, Facebook Live just because when you do like a live Q&A kind of thing, it's like you just never know what's going to happen or who's going to ask what. Um, but it was really good. And I think we got a chance to share our story, which uh, my wife, her email got inundated with just messages. And we felt super encouraged um, as people felt like um, a dark area of their life had had light shined on it. And it wasn't a bad thing for once. It actually was a good thing that people felt connected in a way of like, oh, I can, I can talk about honestly and openly about this part of my life. And so um, it was good. I think uh, we got so many questions that came in that were after, and I just love our community. I love uh, that we uh, we truly believe that uh, we, we should be the safest place to talk about anything. And so um, there was lots of great questions. We'll probably have to do a follow-up yeah. and do some, some Q&A uh, with just the questions that came in afterwards. But uh, if you didn't get a chance to see it, you can still see it. Uh, it's on Facebook there. It'll be there forever. It'll live in eternity. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is also terrifying. When you say stuff live, you're like, oh, I can't take that back. But it's there. So yeah, yeah. it's there. It's good. Um, yeah. So go check that out if you're on Facebook. Um, in addition, um, actually, uh, we do have this other uh, interesting Facebook opportunity. Um, we do have a kind of a, a Facebook community group run by um, a few of our community pastors. Um, in this group, um, they're always saying like uh, creating events like a hike or getting together to go to the movies or dinner. So if you're looking for a way to actually kind of connect with more folks um, in the room and you use Facebook, um, that's actually a really easy way to do it, to kind of jump into something where uh, we feel is actually a safe way to interact um, within our community. Um, you can get there. Uh, if you go to voxoc.com slash Facebook group, um, there's a link there that'll take you to the group and you can request an invite um, to go there. Or um, you can group, you can actually search it in Facebook. It's called Life Around the Table. Um, so you can uh, search that too. And that's another way uh, to get involved um, there. Um, Bob, if you could throw up the Safe to Belong podcast. Yep. So um, when we originally started uh, this church, uh, it actually started out of a podcast um, that I co-hosted um, with uh, Mike Erie, who um, has since moved to Ohio. Um, he's still uh, running that show, which is called uh, The Vox Podcast. Uh, what was so fascinating about that was um, for us who wanted to really spur a lot of conversation kind of within the church dialogue, um, we realized um, how incredible the medium is to continue to have a podcast where we can still have those conversations. Um, but even more so with one of our church values being that the church should be the safest place to talk about anything, um, I kind of wanted to fuse those two ideas and find another way that we can tell um, stories um, for the church and from the church um, through a new podcast that we're going to launch in the fall uh, called Safe to Belong. Um, so it's neat about this is our hope is that um, yes, we'll have some of the stories that we've shared here and some other ones, but I am we're actually searching to have stories told by those completely outside the church and some who don't even go to church um, who do have some great thoughts 
and comments about what it's been like kind of to watch the church do what it does and, and to hear from them why they may never engage or what they would actually hope for, maybe what we're not actually seeing that they may see better. Um, so that's going to be a really interesting experience. If um, if you have some kind of media skill set relating, um, not just to podcasting, but if it's like photography or it's video or audio engineering or even um, website management or writing, um, these are all things I'm looking for to actually produce this show. So we're going to do some of the visual stuff as um, ad uh, content. Um, but what's neat about this is that it's going to be run by you guys and some of the creative people within the church um, to act as they actually as an exterior expression of the church. So it's not like something we're starting that's like, oh, and here's this podcast only for you guys. Um, the only place it will say Vox Community on this podcast is just at the tail end of the show in the credits and then at the website at like the very bottom. So it's really intended just to kind of be out there as a way for folks to find it and actually be compelled by it. And then it'll still point back to the community, but uh, that's that's what we're going to be doing um, with that show there. So um, there's that. Okay. And then the last thing I don't have a slide for, um, Ronnie and I... Um, are going to be doing something fun coming in here up in the summer. It'll be something. It's going to be something. Fun, maybe. Fun, maybe. <laughs> so uh, Ronnie and I are actually going to start a, a Facebook live show. Um, that'll actually happen. Um, we're, hope, we're thinking pretty much every week on Thursday afternoon. Um, so we will be on our Facebook page, um, kind of doing what you would actually normally do on the podcast that we did have, talking about um, a lot of different topics and dialogue on things that um, we feel really compelled by and feel that really need some strong discussion. Um, and so it's going to get wild. And that's going to be it. And I'm, I don't know, come up with the name for the show and like some like dubstep, like intro music. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it'll be great. I think um, uh, just, it's an interesting medium, I think, for us because uh, we were just talking about you come in here and, and there's really no dialogue. I mean, you're just sitting there and you're going to have to hear what we have to say. And I know there's questions. I know you listen to things and you go, wait a minute, uh, I, have a, I have a thought about that or I disagree. And it's like, well, how do you do that? You can't do it here. So here's another avenue for you to engage in that. And, um, and there's lots of ways to do that. So we're excited for that. Should be great. Yep. So I think uh, first show will be on June 21st. So yep. uh, and then once it's and once it goes, it'll be there again forever and eternally. Right. So you'll be able to go back and watch that too. So all right, let's get into questions. Q and A. All right. So again, you can text your questions throughout the service at any time. If you have a question, about what's going on? Uh, we love it. Again, we believe that the, uh, the the this should be the safest place to talk about anything. So we got a question that came in. Uh, this is from our online community, or was it from our online community? Oh no. Oh, uh, this is from the room. Oh, so okay. yeah, this was asked last week in the go room. I'm going to go ahead and jump on this one because this is kind of a very social question, which I really click into and kind of love the social observation of different kind of communities and cultures. Uh, some really great ideas and a super... Um, admonition to live in the present uh, related to what Ronnie talked about last week. Um, I feel encouraged to live for God in the moment. But my question is about dualisms. Why do church preachers and politicians so often preach in dualisms? This or that's uh, simplicities. There's so much more to real living and how to live in the moment. So good. Ooh, good question. Um, okay, so I... I feel like I could have two answers for this, like one to answer why maybe preachers do it and one to answer maybe why politicians do it. Um, but I actually do think um, sociologically there actually, I think there is actually kind of one answer that hinges. Again, this is kind of my opinion. I'm, I'm no professional on answering, you know, sociological questions like this, but I could share a bit on uh, what I've observed. Um, there's this interesting uh, uh, kind of sociological um, writing on the idea of siege mentality. And um, what this has to do with is um, it's kind of a way of overgeneralizing um, positions and stances related to whatever it is that you're um, standing for or trying to do, um, especially in the case where you have leadership that actually talks to a community. Um, so the way this actually works is siege mentality is like when if you feel affronted by some other leader in some other larger group, like let's just say in, in binary politics, you know, we have conservative and democratic um, and then kind of the middle, which is very much pushed down and smaller, um, what you typically get in argument's sake is instead of making good cases and opening dialogue to actually make change for whatever um, initiative you have, instead you'll take the defensive and just attack the other side in hopes that other people feel the same way you do, and so then they'll take your side instead. And so even if you might not agree with who is on your side uh, completely, you end up feeling like you have to lump in one camp or the other. Sadly, though, over time, we've only built 
built a very thin language to help articulate then what sides actually represent each other. And so we have now, nowadays, to probably why this question was asked, all the inflammatory dialogue and conversation that takes place on Facebook and, you know, the arguments are very thin and they're very like lacking like gray in a way of carrying tension and addressing those things well. Um, so if you kind of look into the ideas of siege mentality a little bit, you can kind of get a better idea of, of what this looks like. Now, in the case of preachers, um, this, is a this is a little bit challenging because in some ways, um, the actual format in which we do church kind of perpetuates you know, this to actually happen, right? You guys all come into this room 52, 53 times a year um, to listen to some kind of teaching. Well, in order for, and this is kind of my opinion, my observation again, um, you know, for us to kind of run a church as like a nonprofit business, right? It's kind of, it, it puts people in leadership positions to have to make um, big decisions kind of within very thin margins of time, week after week after week after week. So um, it's my opinion that in some cases, when you oversimplify teaching and make it hyper-binary, just looking at the simple morals that we have with what the Bible teaches, there's good and there's evil. Well, you know, if we're a church, then the, the whole idea is, well, you want to be aligned with good, and you need to know what it looks like to call out evil in your life. So it's very easy every single week for a preacher to get up on stage, and whatever their kind of teaching dynamic is, or whatever it is, to do whatever they can to help folks realize, you know, we want you to be in. We want you to kind of, you know, see what's good and know what's bad. But then... 52 times a year, maybe an hour a week at most, if that's all we actually take and all that we do, uh, we actually kind of steal our own integrity for the outrageous information age we have. Like with just a little bit of research, you could spend some time kind of reading into what, it, what does inerrancy in the Bible actually mean? And does that actually make sense to make that case and to make that argument? Um, and there's, well, and then the second you start reading, well, there's so much more here. I can't just take, you know, the simple kind of uh, opinion that's just presented by whoever is up here on stage. So um, that's good. I, I don't yeah. do that. Right, <laughs> but uh, um, no, I, I think that there's something to that. I think the other 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 side of that is that you know when you get up here as a teacher, you, you have an agenda, uh, and so if you have an agenda, you're going to speak in a way that sort of you know perpetuates your agenda. Uh, and I think the key for that, especially for us at Vox, is how do we live in the tension? How do we live in the gray? Uh, so oftentimes you'll hear us talk about things and sort of give both sides, and that's what we want to do: say like, hey, this isn't as black and white as it may seem. That there are multiple ways to think about that, and sort of the challenge and the encouragement to you is to actually do some research yourself, because really this place, this gathering is not the sum total of your spiritual life, right? Uh, this is one aspect of it, but uh, as we journey and our faith journey, it's beyond the walls here. And so we just want to encourage uh, the conversation that way. So yeah. Yeah. All right. It's good for now. Uh, next question. All right. So this is from our online community. Uh, I live in Texas and listen to your podcast. Hi, those of you watching on Facebook and you in Texas. Uh, I just listened to Ronnie's sermon regarding cast, casting pearls before swine and found it a unique and helpful reinterpretation of this passage. I have a question though. Uh, if Jesus was truly saying not to force our thoughts, opinions, beliefs on others, uh, but to treat them instead with respect and love, why did he use the word swine to describe them? Very good observation. Pigs were unclean in Jewish culture and to Jesus, so it doesn't make sense to me that he'd choose that descriptive word for people that we should love. Is this a matter of translation or is there another meaning? Gosh, I love, I love the observations of our communities and people who are engaging in, in this thought. So um, it's great. For those of you who didn't hear the message, <clears throat> we've, we've heard this expression, don't cast your pearls before swine. And oftentimes that expression is used in a way to dismiss people who don't engage in our ideas or thoughts. So if we're trying to share the Bible with somebody or our religion or belief with somebody and they dismiss it, we go, well, I just cast my pearls before swine as if the other person is less than and you shouldn't do it. But what Jesus is actually saying is that when you feed swine pearls, it does nothing for them. It doesn't, doesn't nourish them. So why would you do that? Actually, it turns the table on you and says, you're ridiculous for trying to give that to somebody who's not going to eat it. Um, and so to look at Jesus's message and what he was saying and to give some context, this is why it's important to understand one, the context, two, the genre, and three, the audience. So when Jesus teaches in this passage, who is he talking to? Well, oftentimes when he would give these stories and do these parables, they're very, very multi-layered and tiered because he was talking to a mixed room. So on one hand, you had people who were poor, marginalized, who were dismissed. And on the other hand, you had the religious right who were standing there thinking that they were better than everybody. So how does Jesus say something that hits everybody across the board? He was a genius at it. 
And so you're right. Why does he give this illustration and use this idea of swine? Because it's offensive, right? And so I think what Jesus was doing was actually flying in the face of the religious leaders, the people who thought that they were better and would consider those less than swine. He was saying, why would you do that? Why in the world would you feed them something that they can't eat? And so it was, a, it was sort of a turn of phrase trying to get them to understand their, their flaw and their thinking, the way that they were being judgmental, uh, the way that they were dismissive of so many people, because obviously there's a dismissive factor. If you're Jewish, you don't eat pork. So I think there's a play there that Jesus is getting to, and he's flying in the face of these religious leaders going, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And I don't think Jesus wasn't saying that the people that we love and care about um, are pigs. I think that it was more geared towards those who thought they were better than. So good question, good observation. Keep them coming. We want more of them. Uh, whatever we don't get here, we'll tackle them on the Facebook Live as well. So awesome. All right. So Carrie, come, come on, on out. out. <clears throat> hey, it's Carrie. Hey, you're here. I feel like I don't even need to preach. That was awesome. No, come on. No, you like, got to know. Everyone's like, okay, I need a minute. Because <laughs> I'm processing back there. And I don't know if you heard. I'm talking. Shocking. I'm like, yes. Hmm. Thank you, guys. That yeah. was so good. Yeah. So um, we're, we're going we're gonna to pray for Carrie because Carrie was sharing with our team um, that she's just been exhausted. Uh, Carrie, you know, did the, um, the uh, Soul Care uh, workshop for Vox, and you were speaking at a conference, and uh, you're a mother, um, and you're- Mario's out of town. Mario's out of town. Yeah, so you just name it. Yeah, I yeah. single momed it for three days. <laughs> It, was, it wasn't pretty. On that premise alone, we're going to pray for you. Um, but because she's feeling overwhelmed and, and she really believes this message is, is something that this community needs to hear. And so she just was like walking in her weakness going, I just, I don't feel it. And I'm, and I'm tired and I'm exhausted. And so I'm trusting that the Lord will be here. And so as a community, uh, we want to pray for her. So um, would you just, you know, in a, in a show of compassion and, and togetherness, just extend a hand. Thanks. Uh, and then we're going to pray for Carrie. Thanks. Um, God, we thank you that you uh, are with us in the midst of our uh, our tiredness, um, our sadness, our hurts. And so we, we thank you that you're here. We thank you that we can just relinquish all of that. Uh, I, as I prayed earlier for Carrie, I, I believe that um, it is in our weakness that your power is made perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we can, in our weakness, we can wash away all of the us and let it simply be all of who you are. Uh, And so we pray that you would now be in this space, that you would um, compel, that you would encourage, that you would fill, that you would overflow from Carrie's mouth the words um, and and the the things that you want her to share to this community. Uh, We're grateful for her as a teacher. We're grateful for her as a mother to her family um, and just as a great friend to this community. And so we pray that you would just bless her. Bless us in this time, Jesus. We love you. It's your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Uh, Good morning. Hi. I mean, I'm tired, but I still love doing this, so I can still, I'm not gonna like fall asleep while I'm standing up here. But um, I do feel like after we heard, there was just a lot of information given to you, um, and and it's good information, and, and I want you to process it and think about it and ask those questions. But sometimes, I don't know about you, but for me, oftentimes when I'm, I'm kind of inundated with a lot of information, I need to stop and pause and just take a breath. And um, I say this a lot if you're new here, but I just feel like a lot of times when we come into church, we're a little bit on edge, or our expectation is that, um, you know, I'm gonna get all this information that's gonna change my life. And I, I don't know if that's gonna happen today, but I do know that that you are safe to breathe here. Um, And so I'm just gonna ask that all of you just take a breath. Let's just breathe in and breathe out. And as weird as that might be for some of you, like what's happening, um, it's important to breathe. We don't breathe very often. And you're like, we breathe every day not that kind of breathing. Breathing where it just in your guts, lets your belly hang out over your tight jeans and just breathe and take in all the goodness um, that God has for you, but also just breathe because if you're anything like me, this week was just a really heavy, hard week. Um, Some of the people that we look to as role models in our society, we wake up in the morning and find that they are no longer with us, that they have chosen to take their life. That alone causes pause for me. It's a sensitive subject for me. So it's just not lost on me. Um, And in the midst of all of my doing, I had a lot of doing this week. And then I get this information. It just feels overwhelming. And, you know, then we can start, let's just start talking about the world and all the, you know, it just gets to be a lot. 
And not only that, but we take it into our personal lives and our personal lives for many of us feel overwhelming. And so this morning, I don't know if you came here like me, maybe a little tired, maybe a little overwhelmed, maybe you're a lot angry, maybe you're frustrated, maybe you're like, I don't know what's wrong with everybody, I am so happy today. Um, That's awesome, could you spread some of that? Um, But wherever you are today, I want you to know that God truly wants to just sit with you, and the expectation isn't for you to do anything, but just be present here today for the next few moments. So as Ronnie was sharing, I got to speak at a conference. I wanted to share this with you guys. I hesitated on sharing it, but I'm going to share it because... I just tell all my problems. Um, So I went to this conference and it was for my friend that was putting on the conference. It's the largest conference she's ever done. She's really, for the past five years, has she planted a church her and her husband, and it's just been battle after battle after battle. She's just having a tough time. And it's been disheartening. And every turn they're going around, it's just they're hitting another wall and another wall. And because she's my friend, I've been sitting in the past five years with her in this. And she's always positive and always trying to keep a good attitude. But when no one's around and we're just talking, the defenses come down and she's like, I'm tired. I'm tired of battling all the time. I'm tired of fighting. Like, did we make the right decision? decision. Was this the right, you know, are we doing it the right way? Did we follow God's call? You know, all of these questions that we all have. And I just sit with her as a friend because I I just think she's doing incredible work and she's just an incredible person, but I know what it feels like to feel so frustrated. So she's putting on this conference and she asked me to speak at it. And she literally said, and I'm just telling you this because what she said, she's like, I'm bringing in the big guns referring to me. I'm like, oh no, pressure. Um, and, and I'm going to be honest with you. Like I felt like, okay, God, let's just do something big. Let's have just a moment for her where all these people that are coming, she tends, which is just so beautiful. She tends to, to really draw on a lot of people who don't know Jesus, which Oh, I love that. Um, and this conference is going to be the biggest thing that she's put on per the ticket sales and everything. And so here I am praying. All right, God, let's do this. Fire from heaven. You know, like I'm going to bring my A game. You know, I am so ready. And I have my, my notes planned out and I'm praying in the spirit and I'm like, let's go. And before I'm, I'm listening to worship, I'm getting like all hyped up. And I just want this to be a moment for her where she feels of victory. You ever want that for your friend? You ever just want the like, and if you could do anything to help make that happen, you want to make that happen. And, 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 and this is where I was at. And so I get up on stage and I guys, I mean, this is my best material. I am ready to go. Jesus, yes, but carry more. And I am like ready to go. And I'm preaching and I mean, I can't keep my thoughts straight. Now I do this for a living. I get, it's weird, but I get to travel all over and speak. And 99% of the time, Jesus and I are very clear on who has the power and who doesn't. And it is never me. And this time, I'm going to be honest with you, it was a lot about me. And I wanted, and I think it was coming from a good place, but also from a little bit of an ego place. Like I wanted to be, I wanted to be the thing that that brought the good moment for her. I wanted to see people come to know Jesus because this was going to be the best message ever. Now, you might be asking yourself, hmm, why is she the pastor of our church? This is an honesty. Like, we at best have mixed motives when we do things. And as I'm preaching, I'm confused about what I'm saying. That's rare. I usually have pretty good thought about, I had to keep going to my notes, which is rare. If you see me go to my notes a lot, this is a little tip for you. I'm usually like needing help. (laughs) And so I kept going to my notes and I'm just like, it was a struggle. It was like walking through molasses. I'm just like trying to get the words out, trying to say, and it is not going well, in my opinion. It was like there was a block between the audience and me. Even though people were responding, women were in tears. At the very end, she had asked me, I'd like you to do, and if you're new to church, this is a thing that they do in other churches would you do like a a call to faith? Sure, no problem. And in my head, I thought, don't do it. You're not like, it's not good. Don't do it. 
And, and yet I had told her I was going to do it. So I did. I said, does anybody want to know Jesus? And it came out just horrible and wasn't good at all. And people started standing up around the room. I didn't ask them to stand. They stood up to, to ask Jesus in their heart. And I got off the stage and all I kept doing the whole time was talking about how awful it was how awful the talk was. I apologized so many times. I'm so sorry. And even she's all like, like, no, it was great. But yeah, I could tell you were, you know, like having a hard time. And I'm like, I mean, I'm just, I wanted this to be so good for you and whatever. And I get in the car and Jesus just speaks to my heart. I mean, he didn't like show up in like a burning bush, but like he spoke to my heart and was like, what are you doing? Carrie, this is nothing to do with you. This is about your obedience. This is about me. Didn't you see that lives were changed, that I take the stumbling words that you have to offer, I take the mixed up offering that you bring, and I do the work. You just offer who you are and what you are. I needed you to understand that this is not about you, that this is just about your obedience and your offering before me. And I started to sit there and realize, oh my goodness, I immediately get off the phone with my, on the phone with my friend. I said, wait a minute, this was a great conference. God showed up despite us, despite what we have to offer, despite our mighty talents. God does what he's gonna do when you are obedient, even even if you fumble or mess up or, or, or get ruined. And what's so crazy is that the message is about being courageous, you know, about having grit and being courageous. And, and I think we think of courageous and grit like all the Avenger movies. And we think of all the heroes in our life and the people who are in battle and, and saving the thousands and, and walking around just, you know, like, I am the hero. And, and we, we admonish that. We look to that. Our society structure is set up for that. Who are the heroes? Who are the ones with the most influence? Who are the ones that are changing the most lives? And we look to that and we go, we should be like that. That's what courage looks like. That's what grit looks like. In fact, when you look at the definition of grit or courage, it is to have courage, to have resolve, to have strength and character. And as I stood on stage with all the talents that I have and, you know, the giftings, you know, I'm a professional speaker. I was not very good at what I'm supposed to be very good at. And yet, God, it was irrelevant to God, my talent or my ability, the message that he wanted to get out, got out. I mean, people woke up that morning not understanding how loved they were, and they went to bed with a little piece of understanding that Jesus loves them right where they are. I mean, what a gift. That had nothing to do with my speaking, it never does. We look in Mark chapter 12 and the story came to mind as I'm sitting in my car and feeling very convicted about my dumb attitude and my flesh and my issues. Guys, I got issues. And, and I'm, I'm looking at the story in Mark 12 and this takes place where Jesus is in the temple and he's hanging out with the disciples and he's asking, answering a lot of questions from the religious right, you know, the heroes of the day, the ones with a lot of influence. And, and these Pharisees are asking all these questions, trying to trip up Jesus and Jesus keeps answering just in the most beautiful ways. And then he takes the disciples over to the side as they're in the temple and he wants them to observe what's happening. You see, what's set up right now in the temple is the day of giving. It's kind of like the massive offering call. Uh, and they're walking around, they come, they, everyone comes into the temple and they bring their financial offerings and they give unto the Lord um, a sacrifice from their heart which is a financial giving. And these giant boxes, the way it was set up, the temple was really big and on either side of the temples along the wall were these giant ornate boxes with kind of like a gramophone. You remember those, uh, like the record players with the big giant horns coming off of them? They would have that all set up and as you would walk by, you would put your money into the funnel of the horn and it would drop into the box. They actually had these men in the temple called zingers and they would come in with these giant giant bags of coins, as many coins 
as they could get. And they would come in and they would stand at a distance from the offering. I mean, how crazy is this? And they would take their coins and throw them in. So wing, 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 wing. And people would hear how much offering they were giving. And they would do that. And, they, and people would be like, it would be like a show. They'd be amazed. They literally called them the zingers. The zingers are here. You know, like they were like professional offering people. I mean, nuts. And they would, they would throw these coins in and they would make big elaborate, like I'm walking in now to give all my money. And they would put it in to the gramophone or at night. It wasn't a gramophone, but it looked like that into the offering box. (laughs) So Jesus pulls the disciples over and we find in Mark 12 in verse 38, it says, uh, here are some th- other things that he taught them at this time as he's teaching the, to the disciples. Beware of these teachers, he says, of religious law, for they love to parade in flowing robes. I wore this today as an example, just so you could get the full picture of what's happening, okay? They parade in flowing robes and to have everyone bow to them as they walk into the marketplaces and how they love the seats of honor in the synagogues and the banquets, but they shamelessly behind closed doors cheat widows out of their property and then to cover up the kind of people they really are, they make these long prayers in public because of this their punishment will be greater. You see, Jesus is painting a picture for the disciples. See these people walking around, throwing in their money, asking people to bow to them, showing all of their talent and all of their money and all of their religious smartness. And they're walking around and then behind closed doors, their character is nothing. There's no grit. There's no courage. It makes no courage to make other people feel less than. There's no courage in that. There's no character in that. Behind closed doors, they are shallow, not nice people. But to pass off things, they pray these long, elaborate prayers that make everyone else feel like, oh, they've really got it going on. They must be the favored ones. One day when I become like them, then I will be seen as worthy and holy and good. I will offer my talents based on what I see here on earth. But Jesus, as his last public act, just so you know, we find as he says in verse 41, Jesus went over to the collection box in the temple and he sat down and watched as the crowds dropped in money. I just think this is so, like Jesus is so savage sometimes. Like he just like pulls up a chair. Could you imagine? How much are you giving? What are you, uh, who are you writing that to? You know, like what, what's your check say? He's just sitting there watching as people are putting money in, you know. They don't even know that the very coins they are giving as an offering to God God is sitting right there. Like they're just missing it. You know, they don't even get it. The same Pharisees that are trying to catch him up, trip him up, stumble him up with questions. They walk with their flowing robes right past Jesus, putting in offerings to God, dismissing the very Messiah that's sitting right next to them. They're so fixated on their talent. They're so fixated on their position. They're so fixated on wanting other people to think how great they are. They're missing the most greatest person, God incarnate, sitting right next to them. It doesn't say all of that, but man, it just struck me as they walked by him, missing the whole point. We see what the point is because Jesus goes on to say, many rich people put in large amounts. And then a poor widow came and she drops in two pennies. He calls his disciples to him and said, I assure you, this poor woman has given more than all these others have given. For they give a tiny part out of their surplus, but she poor as she is, has given everything she has. And man, am I, as I'm sitting in the car and I'm just inundated with what a bad job I did. Like, I didn't really live up to my talent abilities. And God speaks to my heart and he said, you're missing it. 
I'm sitting right by and I'm watching people in my name with flowing robes pray over people and be elaborate over people and hold their position over people. And I'm not impressed. Not only am I not impressed, there will be a greater punishment for people who use my name to use authority over them and oppress them. There will be a different kind of punishment for that. But... This woman gave, not from her surplus, but from her desperation. I wonder about this woman because, you know, we think, okay, she gave a couple coins. She's needy. But you have to understand, as we dig into the scripture and we know what it was like back in the day for a woman who has lost her husband. I mean, because it was a patriarchal society, she has really no ability to make money for herself. Once he dies, she loses her ability. If a woman dies, he can go on and get a job. She cannot. The society is not structured that way back then. So she's lost everything. Most widows would become homeless or become destitute, if they, especially if they didn't have sons. We know that she must not have much or someone to take care of her because the scripture lets us know she gave all she had. I wonder what she thought about in her house. The scripture doesn't tell us, but we know human nature. As she looked at the two coins that she has, she has a choice, buy bread or give to the bread of life. What will I do with this? Will it really matter? No one's gonna see. I'm definitely not gonna zinger only my two coins in. I think of her as older, as she walks into the temple with such courage and such grit to walk up behind the person with the large bag of coins or the man with the flowing robes and the big prayers and she walks in. I don't know if she wants to be seen or not, but I'm assuming she doesn't want to be seen. She just wants to offer all she has. Might be her last hope. It might be her last place. She doesn't know that that day, Jesus, son of God, will have a seat next to the very place where she's gonna give an offering. She doesn't know this, but we know it. You see, we get to see the full picture. Often I think we come to church and we, we, we idealize, we idolize the people that are on this stage. And I'm making it very easy for you today to not do that. <laughs> we, we look at them and we go, man, they're so gifted. They're so talented. Or the ones that give so much tithing and so much goodness to society. Or, or they dropped out of society and went and, and was a missionary. And man, they're the really good ones. They have the big bag of coins. And we look at our two little coins and we walk into church and we look around and everyone, all of you are dressed so nice. You look so good. And we look at our two coins and instead of offering them, we feel shame about them and we just put them back in our pockets. You see, this isn't about money. This is about an offering of our heart. This is like your two cents matters. It matters. As Jesus sat there, it's like he really wanted to know the disciples to know as his last public act what really matters. Continuing to, continuing to the last moment to let the disciples know that what society deems as important, I do not. What I see is the heart of man. You see, God doesn't want you to give from your surplus. It is when we give from our need that he goes, now I can work with you. Now I can bless you. Now I can honor you. When we give from our surplus, there's no need. When I get up and preach a great message, home run, Carrie, good job. How do I need Jesus in that moment? How do I need Jesus to show up and heal the hearts that are in the room? I don't know what you need today. I don't know what Holy Spirit's doing in your life. I don't know how hard it's been for you. And I can give the best message I ever gave in my opinion. And it could not reach your heart if it's all about my flesh. But if I get up and I go, man, every time I step on this stage, I am speaking the utterances of God and I take it seriously. You and I both fully know the playing field is even. We all need Jesus. Jesus. 
And we all have two cents to offer. I think if we're being honest, that might be about all we got. Because it's never about the talent. It's never about the fancy robes. It's never been about that. I guess after I sat in the car and realized I had a moment, wasn't a good moment, where somehow I mistakenly thought it was about me. It was about my gifts or my talent, that somehow by me bringing my talent, lives would change. God showed me very clearly, it's never been about your talent. It's always been about your obedience. You see, you said yes, Carrie, and you keep saying yes. And I want you to know, you keep saying yes too. It's why you're here. And every day that you get up and you say yes, even when it's hard, even when you have moments where you fall flat on your face, even when you are very fully aware that it is totally about God and not about you, and you keep getting up and you keep saying yes to him, even when the storm is raging, even when you feel like it's not gonna stop, even when you feel like he's in a boat and he's sleeping and is he even gonna wake up? and you keep saying yes, and you keep offering your two cents, bringing it before the people around you, bringing it into the synagogue and offering it. This is courage. This is grit. So when we come in here this morning, we want something that's going to change our lives. We want a bit of hope. We want something that will help us Make the next week a little bit better. And I want to tell you today, it will never be about your big offerings or about giving from your surplus. It will be about in the honest places of your heart where in the desperation and need, you say, all I have is this. It's two cents. It's my heart that is in desperation for you. And God goes, this is what I see. This is what's important. This is where you will change I think often grit, courage, and I'm thankful for the people that are heroes. I'm thankful for the men, my brothers, who fight for our country, defend our freedom. I'm thankful for the moms who get up every day and make lunches, who don't have husbands to help them. I'm thankful for the men and women that stand out in the front and greet those that come through the doors with a smiling face because most of you haven't even seen someone smile at you all week. I'm so thankful for this. But I think we diminish our two cents way too much. And I think if this entire place started giving just from their two cents, the surplus would be amazing because it adds up. So I'm going to ask today that you don't put in your pocket the little that you think you have to offer, that you offer it, you bring it before us, before God, before the world, and you say, God, whatever you want to do with this, I will say yes, because it never was about your talent. It was always about your obedience, your surrender to God. (laughs) Wasn't a huge theological message today in the sense of me teaching you all the Greek or me showing up in my fancy robe. It was just a moment where I think we can stop and really think about what have I been holding on to and trying to put my energies towards that is like spinning a hamster wheel. (laughs) Can I stop doing that and just examine what it is I have to offer and see what God does with that? I mean, if he multiplied two loaves and some fish, I'm sure he can multiply your two cents. And your two cents matters. We sure need it. This was my two cents today. Tired (laughs) at the end a little weary, content coming out of my brains for the past week. And yet, what a beautiful message to be able to come up and learn together that it never was about giving from our surplus or our talent. It just surely was about giving our two cents. And just God sees that as beautiful. We're going to spend some time in worship. 
a couple of songs where we can just ask God to reveal what have I been holding back? What have I been focusing my energies on that is a waste of time? And what is God really asking? Like, let him go deep inside you. Gosh, I'm just feeling this for the men today too. I'm feeling for you guys today this sense of like, gosh, there's so much inside you, like deep inside you that you have to offer, but the world just tells you it's gotta look this one way, like be strong and provide money. <laughs> and I just feel like God, and I'm just feeling this right now, but like, like God's wanting to go deep inside your men's hearts, and yes, women, but you women are all like, you're there. I can see half of you guys like, yes, Lord, my two cents, you know? But I, I think for you men, like I, I'm gonna ask that you would just take a few moments to ask yourself this question of like, God, where do you want me to go with this? What have I been focusing my energies on and my talents on and, and the approval on and, and my gifts on, but yet you've been pulling me towards something else, something maybe that looks smaller or, or maybe that looks risky and it feels like a really fragile give. Because the more of you that step out in that, I really believe our world is gonna change because your voice just matters so much. And I just think there's a lot of people telling you that it doesn't. So what is your two cents, friends? What is the place of offering that God is asking you to give from? What's he releasing you from? You don't gotta be that good. I was not that good. And God moved because he honors obedience. He doesn't honor robes and bags of coins. God, we just thank you for this time. I just pray, God, as we just have a time of worship and just hearing from your spirit, God, I just pray that you would release, I just sense the word release, release the pressure, release the, the performance, release the striving, release the, the, the false narrative that says I've gotta be something bigger. Just release, God, release that from my friends here today, my brothers and sisters. I just say, man, in all honesty, the need that I have, it's it, it, the, what I have to give, it seems small, but to you, God, you flip it all the time. What seems small to the world is so big to you, and what seems big to the world is insignificant to the Lord. So God, I pray that you would just minister right now. Let your spirit come. Come into this place. Help us breathe. Release us. Release us, God. I pray release over this room. Let us sing unto you, not in an act of coercion, but an invitation that you're drawing us in deeper to you, to hear from you, and to move us into more freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. When, the day when Jesus was crucified and died, a veil was torn in the temple. And because the veil was torn from the top to the bottom, the very important understanding of this where no one really would think twice about it at that time except for the people taking guard of this curtain, this veil, was the very moment that it was torn, it said to the nobodies that you are now somebody. It said to the people that were not allowed into these sacred spaces, you are welcome. This is what God did, Jesus Christ did on the cross for you. So when we come to take communion, it isn't just something that we do to check a box. We come in gratitude and thankfulness because the very moment that he died, when the world says you're nobody, when the world says you can't come in, you're not welcome here, his blood that was shed tore that veil from the top to the bottom so that you could have access directly to the king of kings, that the nobodies became somebody, and the women that come with two cents, the men that come in desperation of their hearts, they are seen. In fact, Jesus is sitting right next to them as they give from their heart, as you give from your heart. And he's saying, you see this? This is what matters. This is what I see. This is what I treasure. This is why I died. And his resurrection brings freedom.
So when we come to the table, if God is stirring in your heart today, if you need to release something, if you need to come before him in gratitude, whatever you have today, even if it's just the simple act of walking down and partaking, you are partaking of the very gift that says, when the world says you're nobody, I make you somebody. If you have a prayer, we want to hear them. Write them down, put them in the wall, and we will pray for you. If God is stirring in your heart tonight and, or today and you need prayer, we have two incredible people that just want to pray for you and just want to bless you. Don't miss an opportunity if you need to be prayed for. God, we thank you for your service, your act, your incredible sacrifice, so that when we feel like nobodies, when we feel like our two cents doesn't matter, you make it matter. As we worship and continue to worship, let this be our act of gratitude and thankfulness for all you've done. I told you you could breathe today. It was going to be okay. It's going to be okay. You're doing a great job. You're doing a good job, moms, dads, friends, daughters, sons, uncles, I don't know, all of the things. You're doing a great job. So I'm going to go home and take off my robe and just enjoy maybe my slippers. (laughs) Um, I hope that this is like what Ronnie said. I hope that this wouldn't be the only time that you encounter Jesus this week. I hope that this would be a catalyst for you going home and discovering more about the Father who graciously loves you, who died for you, who sees you when nobody else does, who cares about the two cents that you have to offer, that this would be the beginning of your week of encounters with Jesus, not the end of your week of encountering with Jesus. So when I see you next week, you're going to be like, Carrie, I saw Jesus here. I saw Jesus here. I saw Jesus in the eyes of a homeless man. I saw Jesus all around. Let this be the beginning this week. Let me pray over you. God, bless my friends, my brothers and sisters in Christ in this room. God, bless them and keep them. Lord, I pray that you would change the narrative that says I must strive and perform to be able to be seen and used and worthy. I pray, God, that today this would be the beginning of a new narrative that says, wait a minute, maybe what the scripture says is true and you care deeply about the parts of me that are in desperate need and that you want from that place. And so God, I pray that you would go deeper in every single one of them, that you would reveal yourself more, and that your love would never fail, would never run out on us, that it would be something that we crave and that we sit in this week. May it extend to the people around us. I just thank you, God, for this place. The safest place to talk about anything is in your presence. So thank you for creating a space to do that. We love you so much. Bless them and keep them. In Jesus' name, amen. If you like what's happening here, because I sure do, it's the quintessential ask. (laughs) There are some amazing boxes, not ones with gramophones. You do not have to throw your coins in. But if you want to keep this going, it's kind of an awkward ask after that message. But hey, two cents does matter. Hey, we really would love for you to participate in giving. And it really does help do all of these things and be able to create a safe place for people to talk about anything. If you're into that and you love being here and you want to see that happen and continue to happen, your financial offerings are beautiful and we appreciate them. And so you can slyly just walk by. There will be nobody sitting there looking at what you're giving. All right. So thank you guys so much. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Vox Community Podcast. You can join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash voxcommunity. Participate in the Vox Community at voxoc.com slash participate.